What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us here for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. I am your host, Joe Orico. You guys can find me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. All of our baseball and fantasy baseball content here at Sports Ethos gets dropped at Ethos Fantasy BB on Twitter. That's where you guys find all links to podcasts, articles, and all the rest of our work that we're going to be putting together the rest of this offseason. Got a draft guide coming up, all of our new podcasts and everything else. Ethos Fantasy BB. And of course, you guys can get it at the source at sportsethos.com as well. Another team preview today. Very special guest joining me on the show for the first time. Jeff Erickson, he's one of the co-founders and senior editor of RotoWire. Jeff, thank you so much for carving out some time today. Of course, Joe. Uh, happy to do this. It was cool meeting you at First Pitch Arizona and now getting to do this, working together a little bit. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, uh, we were paired up in different tea times in Arizona, so I didn't get to really pick your brain as much as I would have wanted to. I saw you at the poker game. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to really pick your brain here about your your hometown. You're, you're a Cincinnati guy. by you're, you're born there, I think, right? Or, uh, close. I was born in Indy, and the Reds were their farm club. And, you know, was, you had to choose a team. You know, some people put, pick the Cubs from Indy. I took the Reds. Uh, and I my dad's from Ohio, so he kind of stuck me with all these these teams. And, you know, it, it's been rough. But uh, then again, when a bad team goes goes good, as we've seen with the Bengals, it's super rewarding. Yeah, yeah, we were just talking about the other Bengals looking like they might make some noise. I'm definitely pulling for the AFC this year. And I think you guys are probably eh, looking pretty good with uh, with the Mahomes injury. I wanted to say, though, I, I meant to say this before we got going, but when I first got into the fantasy industry, I was looking for for some advice. And I was looking around different YouTube videos, and I came across a PitchCon video. It was you, it was Bogman, and it was Casey Bubba talking about yeah. the, in, the ins and outs of podcasting. And I thought it was so cool. I didn't know any of you guys at the time. Now you're, I've had you all on the show, got to know all of you. It's really cool. And I'm actually going to be a PitchCon later this week, so it's all kind of come full circle. Are you going to be uh, doing anything at PitchCon this week? You know, I kind of dropped the ball in getting back to Nick. If there's still an opening, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. But otherwise, I'll just watch everything and support it. Yeah, it's a great cause. <clears throat> you guys should check it out. Excuse me. I'm still, like I said to Jeff, uh, dealing with a little bit of a cough. I want to say congratulations as well. You guys got a ton of nominations from the FSWA. You are up for best podcast. You're up for, I think, like you tweeted out recently, most nominations again. Uh, Rotowire, top of the top of the fantasy world. So congratulations there. Thank you. Uh, you know we have a great group of guys and and gals. Um, and you know, you know, the thing is, you hire good people, let them do good work. And fortunately, you know, we're lucky that we cover everything. You know, cricket included. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's funny, and that that's actually big internationally. But you know, it, it's. It's really cool, and uh, you know it's gratifying over these years to see uh, the company grow and do so many cool things. You guys are fantastic. You do great, great work yourself, Todd, James Anderson, everybody on the baseball side, everybody in general. I'm I'm more focused on the baseball content, but absolutely, you guys should be checking out the RotoWire Fantasy Baseball podcast and everything that Jeff and his team has going on. Thanks, we're and we're uh, by the way, we are starting up on Sunday night. Scott Jensen and I. One or both of us will be either extremely happy or extremely disappointed. Scott's a big Niners guy. I'm a big Bengals guy. So we're going to be like trying to focus on baseball and trying to hopefully we'll be celebrating wins, but we'll see. Be interesting. A Super Bowl matchup. You guys might have. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some friendly wagers on the line there. Yeah, uh, but but uh, let's talk about some Cincinnati Reds stuff. I mean, they weren't a great team last year by any stretch. They lost 100 games, but there's still some. Some promise looking forward, maybe more so beyond 2023, but even for this upcoming season, there are some guys who could make some noise on the fantasy side of things. Let's start at the top of the lineup. TJ <clears throat> TJ Friedel projected to have double-digit home runs and steals. <clears throat> Is he somebody that you're going to be interested in drafting? He's pretty reasonably priced. He's going, I mean, and looking at most recent DCs from Christmas to today, 16 drafts have taken place. Friedel's not going until 
close to pick 400. Is he somebody that you're interested in? Kind of. I think the organization is going to drag him down a little bit. And by that, I mean the counting stats. You know, yeah, he's batting leadoff, but who's going to knock him in? How many runs is he going to score? Certainly, how many RBI is he going to have? That that's something to be concerned about. Uh, you know, he might get you a ten to you know ten to fifteen home runs. The thing that is interesting to see is how much is he going to be able to use his speed. We've talked a lot about the new uh, stolen base rules. We'll call them the stolen base rules: the size of the bag, the pickoff throws, uh, and all that. It, it the presumption is it's going to really boost stolen bases. So Friedel is one of those late guys that you can get if you're trying to add some stolen bases late. You feel like you missed it, especially if you're playing a DC or you're playing an NFBC 50, you're playing a 50 rounder or, or whatever platform, not just the NFBC, but it's the one I always is my go-to at least uh, for good ADP and good. Uh, and, and just that's the, t- that's where I play. The thing with Friedel is that he probably isn't somebody where you're going to want to be drafted him in your shallower formats, your 10 and 12 team leagues. He's right. probably not going to cut it. There might be stretches throughout the year where he's stealing a lot of bases and you want to stream him in for a while, or maybe there's a week where they're playing at home. That's a huge factor with Cincinnati. Everybody gets a little bit of a boost, especially in terms of their power stats. Um, Friedel, you know, he's projected across the different systems generally for about 12 home runs, 11, 12 steals, about a 250 batting average. He's not going to blow you away, like you said. Uh, in this lineup, he's probably not going to drive in that many runs. At the top of the order, he may score you know, 60, 70 runs, uh, but he's probably more of, of a deeply guy. The next guy I want to talk about, though, he's going to be somebody who is drafted across every format, just going through the batting order here. We're looking at roster resource, if you guys want to follow along. Jonathan India, coming off of a bit of a down year, you could say. The projections are, are pretty decent for him this upcoming season. And, of course, at second base, it's it's – not the greatest position. What are your thoughts on India for this season? Is he going to have something closer to what he did in his rookie year? You think? So I was on the triple play uh, podcast last week and they were doing second baseman. And I actually went uh, head to head with David on this one here. He he's in favor of, of India. I'm a little against, um, I, I, I think I need to buy him at the bottom end of my range. I'm not like totally against, but I, I don't want to pay ADP or higher on him. I'm not going to go out of my way because first of all, second base is rich with guys in this range. You can find lots of different guys here. Secondly, StatCast numbers aren't great. Now, StatCast numbers might be worse because he was battling three different injuries last year. So I could be a little ungenerous here in, in terms of, you know, what's he going to be able to do? But I, I understand he had a stretch like August that he was on fire. Uh, and that was great. And then he got hurt again. That's cap- He's capable of that. But I, I just look at the overall StatCast numbers and I'm kind of more... In, looking towards taking him around pick 200 if it comes to that. Uh, the good news is he'll probably run a little bit more. Uh, he, he does have a modicum of power, and the ballpark certainly helps that. Uh, and the batting order certainly is good. Uh, so there are points in his favor. Uh, you profited off of him in 2021. You took a loss last year. I think where he's going, it's it's fairly reasonable. Like the range is pretty good. I like this range of like 170 to about 200 in terms of second base. Brandon Lau, Von Grissom, uh, India, Brandon Drury, Drake Cronenworth, who I, I like dual eligibility there as well. Now with India, the projections are pretty good. I think that he's, I mean, they're somewhere in between what he did in his rookie year and last year. It's about, if you look at ATC, 16 homers, seven steals, a 254 batting average. It doesn't blow you away, like you said. Like even the stack yeah. numbers are not great. I'd probably at, at price here. I'd rather go Von Grisham personally. Would you? Would you take Grisham or would you take Jonathan India here? I would take Grisham definitely. Now that Dansby's in Chicago, um, Grisham's. I mean, Grisham could hit ninth. That's the, that's the downside. Uh, but he he's in a great lineup and his playing time secured now. 
Yeah, I was talking with Chris Clegg yesterday when you guys will be hearing this, technically recording on the same day, but yesterday uh, we talking about the Braves, and Grissom's going to be bad at ninth most likely, but the thing with him is, you know, that lineup gets turned over to Acuna, Harris, Riley, Olsen. Sure. He could, he could score 85 runs from the nine hole. It wouldn't it wouldn't shock me. So I, I think I would take Grissom there. India has a potential for a bit of a bounce back, and the price isn't crazy where you'd have to buy in top 100 or anything like that. Closer to pick for 200, sure. uh, I'm not so opposed to taking him, but in that range, he's, he's probably not my favorite. Now, as a Canadian, I've always been a little biased towards this next guy. I'm more than a little biased. He's been one of my favorite baseball players ever. Uh, we actually played on some of the same minor league teams, not that at the same time he's 10 years older than me or so. But, you know, same kind of team. We wore the same jersey, so it always kind of stuck out to me there. Joey Votto, if you guys hadn't figured that one out. Right. <laughs> he is, I mean, he is probably arguably the best Canadian baseball player we've ever had. He had an incredible 2021 season. He had an awful 2022 season. Do you think that there is any any gas left in the tank with Votto, or should we just be avoiding him in drafts this year? I mean, there is, uh, I think, uh, but it's health. And that's the thing with uh, as players age, they get hurt more often and they take longer to recover. Uh, and so that's the thing uh, that worries me a little bit there. But I think there's probably, there'll be moments, there'll be stretches. By the way, Votto is the only player I have a jersey of. He is, you know, So I'm right there with you in, in terms of favorite player. Uh, just, I mean, fantastic human being. I love him, but, uh, ah, I I'm not, I'm not getting a whole lot of them either though. Um, again, uh, th- there is a price and, it, you know, it, I think in your standard 12 team mixed leagues, yeah, he's probably not even getting drafted. Uh, but in a deeper league and, and certainly in a format like a dra- uh, any sort of draft and hold format. Yeah. He's got currency. Yeah, he's not going until the 38th first baseman off the board. He doesn't need to be amazing to beat that price. There's some guys going ahead of him, like Luke Voigt's going ahead of him in drafts. He hasn't even signed yet. Jared Walsh, we have all the problems with the, I forget what it's called, uh, his injury. Oh, man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to escape me. But he's got some injury problems. There's a lot of guys ahead of him. Spencer Torkelson going about 100 picks ahead of him. You know, right. there are some there are some uncertainty ahead of him. There's uncertainty with Votto, but at least, you know, you're getting good plate discipline. You're getting good on base numbers, assuming you play in an OBP format. He's still walking like it was his worst walk rate he's ever had last season, going back to you know, his rookie year. And it was almost 12 percent. So there's still still a good baseball player just for fantasy. Might be a little harder. Shallow leagues. He's pretty much out. Like if there's a week where there's seven games at Great American and, you know, decent pitching matchups, maybe Washington's coming to town or whatever, then maybe you want to stream him, you want to throw him in your lineup. Right. But, but for the most part, unfortunately, we're probably closing in on the end of the Joey Votto fantasy era. And it might already be closed. That's something you guys are going to have to decide in your drafts this season. Yeah. By always, the way, Walsh Thoracic Outlet. That's uh, what it is. I always forget yeah. what it is. I had to look it up, too. Yeah. I mean, I knew it was shoulder, but I wanted to get a little bit more yeah. precise. Yeah, I always forget that one. It's kind of not one you hear so regularly, but you know, big problems yeah. with him. Big problems with a lot of guys going ahead of Votto. He's not a safe pick, but I think he might be a little safer than say Torkelson. I mean, maybe Torkelson breaks out, but you know, for the price, you're getting him seven, eight rounds later. I might I might just go with Joey Votto there. Tyler Stevenson is the projected fourth hitter in the lineup. I'm a big Stevenson guy. I like the batting average that you get out of the catcher slot, which is not something that you're typically going to be doing. He's projected only for 266 over on ATC, but 13 home runs, a couple steals. Uh, what are your thoughts on Tyler Stevenson heading into 2023? I think there's two two concerns. One is health, obviously. Uh, and two is, you know, he had a pretty high BABIP. You know, there's a concern about whether he can maintain the batting average side of things. Obviously, he's not going to hit 319 again in a, in a fuller sample. But what is he really going to hit? Is he going to hit... 280. Is he going to, is there a number below that? I mean, he's shown pretty good contact skills, but 
you, you look at throughout his career too. He's been a little bit fortunate. Um, I like him. I mean, I hope he stays healthy again. Uh, he he's one of the guys to build around. And you know, the thing is, they have two veteran catchers behind him this year, just in case he can't hold up. But that also is good because that means he might get some time at DH. Uh, you know, you've got uh, Kurt Casale, you've got Luke Malley. People, they, the Reds pitchers loved Malley, by the way, uh, when they threw to him. So you could see a scenario there where Stevenson gets uh, those sweet DH at bats. We like that from our catcher. Yeah, I mean, he should be one of the. I mean, when I did my catcher rankings, I believe I had him tenth, uh, just slightly above where he's going in ADP. But you know, the potential for the higher batting average, not necessarily that it's going to be three hundred, but even if you're getting two seventy out of him, that's better. Yeah, it's huge from from most catchers that you're going to be drafting. One catcher league, two catcher league. Uh, I'm pretty big on Stevenson. He's going to pick one forty three. Uh, he's going between Sean Murphy and Cal Raleigh. Are you? If you had to rank those three guys, just I didn't plan this up before, but Murphy, Stevenson, and Raleigh in that range, who would you be favoring there? Um, I would go Raleigh, Mur- Murphy, and then Stevenson. I'll, uh, Raleigh and Murphy, I mean, I, I, as a coin flip, both you know are going to get lots of playing time and in good lineups. I mean, Murphy, I, I added in a recent uh, in NFPC fifty just because you know put him in that lineup, you know, and the county stats follow. Uh, the only concern you have with Murphy, I think, is that. You know, Travis Darno is still there. So yeah. where else can Murphy play when Darno catches? Because Darno is going to play. Yeah. I mean, maybe Murphy gets some DH at bats, but they've also got Ozuna. And it's yeah. a little bit complicated there. Uh, end of day, I, I really like Stevenson. Maybe he's going a little too high, but I, I think the potential is still there for, sure. for, for great return on investment, considering he's going around pick 150. Not necessarily that he's going to blow it away, but I think he can return fairly even value from there. Uh, the uh, next guy... Sorry, go ahead, Jeff. Oh, I play in about 20 leagues every year, Joe, and I I see myself rostering Stevenson in about two or three, maybe four leagues. Yeah, yeah, that's that's totally fair. Spread the wealth around. I try and I did nine leagues last year. I'm probably going to end up in 15 or so this year. Attaboy. Might end up with 15 catchers. Who knows? 15 (laughs) different catchers just to spread around the pool. Catcher is a little bit deeper this year, but someone like Stevenson uh, still still has some appeal. The next guy, you know, I, I like him, and I think there's a potential for there to be you know, a bit of a, a breakout, not necessarily a breakout. I mean, he's in his 30s at this point, but uh, kind of a re-breakout, I guess, for lack of a better phrase. Will Myers coming to Cincinnati. Now, I forget if it was Paul Spore or somebody had him very, very high up in their first base rankings. Maybe he could do something like what Brandon Jury did, come and, you know, not even revitalize his career, but get back to somewhere along the lines of what he did in San Diego earlier in his career. Are you big on Will Myers heading into this season? I like the idea of Will Myers more than the actual practice of Will right. Myers. Um, I, I think the ballpark is one of those things that makes a good hitter great, but it doesn't make a mediocre hitter good. It makes him a little bit better. And, you know, what you gain from the ballpark, you lose with the lineup around you. So I'm, I'm kind of just like, sure, I'll take him where he's at, at par. Um, I'm definitely not going out of my way to get him. Um, uh, with the, I don't, I don't really think he's going to get dealt, but then again, you know, Tommy Pham found a way to get dealt too. So it's possible that anybody can get dealt at the trade deadline. But if that does happen, he's almost certainly going, stepping into a worse situation in terms of ballpark and probably spot in the batting order too. Yeah, it's totally fair. I mean, maybe there'll be a lineup increase or not counting side increase. If he gets traded, likely you go to a contender. Now, I, I like Will Myers. He's not going to do what he did earlier in his career, probably 30, 20 seasons, anything like that. But, you know, do you think he could give you somewhere close to what the projections are calling for? I mean, depending on where you look, he's projected for over 20 home runs. He could be somebody, I mean, he's probably more likely to be like a trade piece throughout the season. But 
you know, I think there could be some value in him considering where he's going in drafts. 263, he's got first base and outfield eligibility. I'm not I'm not huge on him, but another guy who, you know, he's maybe could quietly return very good value this season. Not that I have crazy high expectations for him, but he's somebody to keep an eye on if you're getting to that range of your draft and you're looking for somebody with a little bit of dual eligibility. Right. But Jake Fraley. Jake Fraley is the next guy in this lineup. There were times last year where he was incredibly good. Yeah. Overall, overall, I don't know if he's going to be that good over a course of a whole season, but what are your thoughts on Jake Fraley for 2023? I think he's one of those, like you were talking earlier with Votto, find your, find the week where they, he's got seven games and at least five of them are against righties, you know, preferably at home, uh, you know, f- find that, that friendly, uh, for that friendly week uh, to start him. He, he's kind of a, he, he's right on that fringe of being a starter, you know, and I think that's reflected in his ADP, you know, three, like around 310 or so is what I saw recently on him. Uh, you know, he, he often, I, I think this lineup, this order will be pretty fluid. Uh, most are, but I think the Reds in particular will be pretty fluid as they try to figure out their playing time. And as younger guys, maybe get the call later on in the season, but, uh, you know, he loved playing at home, you know, 287, 362, 511 at home. Uh, you gotta love that. Um, and you get some stolen bases with that too. And the other thing I like about Fraley is he, he did improve. He cut down on his strikeouts quite a bit. Uh, I, I, I actually find reason to be optimistic about Jake Fraley. There you go. Yeah, still walking quite a bit. I mean, not the same rate that he did in 2021, but over 10%. You cut the uh, strikeout rate by 5%. Uh, you know, the batting average, which has been the problem, albeit in small sample sizes in Seattle, you know, mm-hmm. 150 over 12 games. You can't really look at those small sample sizes, but 210 over 2021, which was 78 games. He got it up to 260 this year, and the Babbitt was generally in line with what we've seen. He could be somebody who gives you, you know, what they're projecting for. If you look at the bat, pretty generous, 18 and 13 with a 250 batting average. Could be sneaky. There's a lot of guys in this lineup who are going to be fairly sneaky picks. Like there's nobody going inside the top 100. The highest batter going is Stevenson at 143. There's nobody you really have to pay up for. And I think there's a potential for some decent value. If you look at the projections, they're mm-hmm. they're not as they're like I said to you. I don't know if we we're recording yet, but they're not bad. They're really not bad. There's a lot of guys projected for double digit homers. There's a couple of guys for double digit steals. And Fraley's one of those guys. Could give you 15 and 10, 15 and 12 with an all right batting average. So I mean, at that point. I'm probably fairly interested in taking him. Honestly, he's not terribly expensive after pick 300, 305 in the most 16 recent drafts. A lot, a lot of guys that are more interesting than, you know, before we started digging into this, I kind of joke with you that this might be a seven minute podcast talking, <laughs> about, talking about Reds viable players, but there's some guys who are more so in DCs and deeper formats, but there's some pretty interesting names. Spencer Steer is the next one who's could be potentially very interesting. Now he didn't have that much success at the major league level last year, but in the minors, he's been, Pretty, pretty solid. I mean, he's still a very young guy. What are your thoughts on Steer? Do you think he maintains the role throughout the season? Is he a mainstay in this lineup in your eyes? Uh, I, He's not. He's got to earn it. Um, but, I mean, they did clear their runway a little bit by releasing Mike Moustakis. So, I mean, there there is that. They, you know, that they, they just cut out one, one viable option, but the Reds are rich in shortstop prospects, which means they're going to end up at third base in, in some, in some cases, you know, and kind of, you know, strand, uh, uh, strand is another, one of the guys eventually could be part of the picture there. Uh, what they do with Ellie De La Cruz is certainly going to be, uh, everybody's watching same with Marte. Although I think Marte is probably another year away, but I don't be surprised if daily De La Cruz gets the call this year. Uh, it, it, I think he'll start at double a, but the way he's mashing the ball there, I, I think it won't be long before he gets that next call up there. And 
Now, that's the one thing, uh, you know, you know, I get it. I get a lot of gallows humor at the Reds. I'm a Reds fan and all that. And I'm, I'm very cynical about what the management will do once these guys get viable at the big league level. But they're rich in prospects. I mean, they are just loaded with bats, you know, and of course he traded for 17 shortstops. Some of them are going to pan out. Uh, but, you know, you know, they don't have to worry if Jose Barrero doesn't make it because they got three others behind him now. I I want to take LA, LA De La Cruz um, in a DC. It's the DC that we started. I'm not sure if you did one in Arizona, but the Arizona DC. I want mm-hmm. to take him for the last three or four rounds, and I just I, I haven't been able to pull the trigger. Just worried about you know when he's actually going to get the call up. If he does get the call, you think it's certain that he will be in the majors in 2023? Mm-hmm. No, I mean here's it, probably about I'd say 60 percent chance, but it's better than average. What round are you in right now? 31, 32. Okay, I waited till like 37, 38 in the round where I took him in a couple. But then again, with a caveat, that's 12 teamer. So yeah. uh, that's a big difference. And I'm assuming yours is 15, right? It's a 15, but you're not, it's probably a similar range, 38th in the yeah, 12 yeah. teamer. It's probably not too far off pick wise. I'm at like 430, 440 or so overall. I, I want mm-hmm. I want to pull the trigger. I'm just not, man, I, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't. It's my first time doing a DC. I've never done DCs before, so I'm right. still trying to figure out how, when to start taking those risks, when to start drafting the minor league guys. It's interesting. He's he's somebody where if he calls up, he's going to be added up wherever. And there's certain leagues that I play in on, on Yahoo and wherever where you have like an NA slot where you can right. add, add a minor exactly. leaguer in and kind of stash them. He's, he's a pretty decent candidate there uh, to start the season off. The bottom two in the batting order projected anyway, Kevin Newman and Nick Senzel. Not terrible projections. Newman's projected for eight homers, eight steals, a 266 batting average. Senzel, 11 homers, 11 steals, 250. Not terrible, not great. What are your thoughts on these guys for fantasy this year? Kevin Newman is like that ideal. He hits 300 for two months, and everyone's like, what a great story. And then we forget about him. And then when he goes down to 260 over the last four months, uh, and he gets traded to the Twins to join Kyle Farmer. But, uh, you know, I... You know, it, it, he's cromulent. He's fine. Um, he, he is literally a placeholder. Uh, and, you know, that that's his job. And you know, there's, there's worse things. Uh, he's an, he's an, a, he's a slightly above replacement level major league player. He is a legitimate major league player, and they needed someone to be a legitimate major league player this year there. So it's fine. Um, you know, he, he probably won't do a whole lot in terms of counting. Like, category. where's the category used with him? Maybe stolen bases? Maybe batting average? You know, you're going to hear Jeff Brantley extolling his virtues about being a clutch hitter at some point in time. But other than that, I mean, I don't see him being a huge fantasy option. But, you know, you hit 300, a lot of other good things follow. So that could be that's that's the that's his uh, glance at an upside. Yeah, I don't think either of these guys are shallow league targets. But if, you know, if Senzel in particular hits that, you know, steamer <laughs> projection, double digit homers, double digit steals, more of a dart throw into D.C. like a couple of these guys we talked about. but. You know, double-digit homers and steals, it's nothing to sneeze at. It's potentially could be pretty valuable late in drafts. You don't have to pay up for either of these guys. Pick This is the 500. year. <laughs> yeah. He's the new Austin Kearns for me, a guy that I've rostered so many different times. You know, more on hope than any analysis at any point now. It's potential. I mean, you know, it's it's not great. They're not guys that you're going to be targeting, but you know, you get to the closer to the end of your DCs, you get some you get some warm bodies in there who are mm-hmm. you know, Kevin Kevin Newman's projected for more than 500 plate appearances. Senzel close to that as well. So that's probably where they lie. They're not going to be your your home league targets, but keep an eye on them. You know, maybe maybe they will be. Who knows? Like you said, 300 batting average comes along with a couple homers, couple steals, and you're looking at Luis Arise with. With worse eligibility, of course, just sec- uh, just a shortstop for Newman. Right. But we spent enough time on the lineup. Let's talk about some of these pitchers right at the top. 
couple of great young studs. I think that their prices are a little bit high. I mean, maybe more than a little bit high. I think it's maybe crazy to be drafting Hunter Green, 112th overall. Showed some skills. He showed some improvement down the line last year. But uh, considering the ballpark, considering how young he is, I'm not really there close to a top 100 pick. Where are you Where are you standing on uh, on Hunter Green as of right now? I'm with you on that. In fact, I'll take Nick Lodolo straight up ahead of uh, Hunter Green. Um, I think he's just more polished. I th- And, I, you know, people talk, oh, Hunter Green's got this huge ceiling. So does Lodolo. Lodolo's got almost as much ceiling as Green. He just doesn't throw as hard. But I, I think his secondary offerings are so much better. The one thing he's got to improve is his performance against righties. He faced more righties than anyone, I think, as a percentage than anyone in, in, in baseball last year, if I recall reading that stat properly. But he, he felt, the, you know, the opposite side of a platoon, you know, so he's not facing very many lefties. So that changeup has to get a little bit better, but I think it's there. I think he's the guy that I really want. Hunter Green, I mean, he could be amazing. He, he really could be, uh, you know, through the roof, but the 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 walks are what concern me i like how he finished of course uh walks and health uh both cases health i guess too uh but uh and the other problem with green and with lodolo and any other reds pitcher is we play with wins and they're going to be hard to come by uh you know you don't want to use it as a predictive stat but we do have to play with them and try to forecast them a little bit and they're going to be lower than they would be with other teams especially now that we don't have the as much of an unbalanced schedule you don't get to you don't get to play the NL Central as much as you used to. No more nineteen games against the NL Central and Pirates. Oh, that didn't even work out so well for the Reds last year. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the team. Like my Blue Jays, I think they're going to benefit from that balance. Sure, a little of bit. course. Fewer games against the Yankees and the and the Rays and the Red Sox. Maybe not the Red Sox. Who cares about the Red Sox this year? You but beat the them like a drum last year. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's positive for certain teams. It's probably not a positive for Cincinnati. With Hunter Green in particular, like I'm bigger on Lodolo, I think, in a vacuum, uh, like you mm-hmm. are. The thing with Hunter Green is everybody points to those last few starts of the year, which were fantastic. Like he was really good once he came back. Last few starts, St. Louis, Milwaukee, Pittsburgh, and Chicago. St. Louis, yes, you give him that one. And then Milwaukee, Pittsburgh, and the Cubs, you know, he he beat up on them, but we're not talking about elite right. offenses here. So it was a bit of a breakout, but I think we have to temper our expectations a little bit, especially considering the ballpark, considering how young he is, considering there's still some control issues. There's always going to be home run issues there. I, I think I agree with you that I would take Lodolo, but I don't think I would take either one of them at their price for this season. I think it's just a little bit too rich, uh, all things considered. I, I don't think Agreed. I'm going to be in on either of them. Now, as you keep going down this rotation, that's kind of it for like the stud <laughs> names. I mean, to be to be kind about it, I like Graham Ashcraft. I think that he could be you know a deeper league option. Probably not somebody you're taking in shallower formats. You know, remind the stop me if you heard that one today on the podcast so far. Right. Probably not a shallow league guy but Ashcraft as well had some you know stretches where he was very good last year no strikeouts really but overall are you interested in him at, in a DC um not really <laughs> um yeah I, I'd, I'd rather not uh because he doesn't <laughs> get the strikeouts um I, I there'll be a point in time where okay he, at least he's going to get get innings he gets starts and maybe I can use him in a two-step maybe he takes that next advancement I mean sometimes we don't see it coming uh, you know, sometimes the team will change their dimensions a month before the start of the season. We won't realize it like Baltimore last year until it was a lot later in draft season. Um, I, I haven't heard anything in that nature for Cincinnati yet, but you know, I don't even know if that would matter so much for there because of the way the ball carries. So we'll see, but no, uh, not really interested in Ashcraft, Sessa, Dunn, Overton, Weaver, you know, not really Overton would be kind of interesting. 
Uh, but I think there's a serious regression possibility with him. It's not, it's not great. The pitching is certainly not great. I think the, I don't know, maybe the high mark of the, of all the pitching is Alexis Diaz. I really like what he did last year. Granted, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe a little bit unsustainable. He's probably going to be your closer, but David Bell has also done some yes. weird things uh, at the back end of the bullpen. He's projected to be the closer. Do you expect him to get the majority of the opportunities though? I don't expect anybody to get the majority of the opportunities. Let me reintroduce you to David Bell. Um, (laughs) You know, it's just, yeah, Diaz has got great skills and he, he he performed very well last year. He'd be the odds on favorite if anyone is, but Lucas Sims will probably be back. TJ Antone will probably be back and, you know, magic eight ball will be back. So, you know, that, that's the thing I, you know, I, and we're talking about maybe, 60 wins over the course of the season. So it's a pretty low number of possibilities too. They're not going to blow people out when they do win. It'll probably be close. It'll probably be a close game. So you could, there is a ceiling of like 30 saves there. Just, I don't know how, if they're going to be spread around or if Diaz will get most of them. I mean, I think he should based on the way that the bullpen looks, but maybe he's not quite as good as what we saw last year. It was his first taste of action in the big leagues. And mm-hmm. he was fantastic. He had a 184 ERA, but that came with an 81% left on base percentage. His BABIP, 178. You know, he's still walking, what is it, 13% of batters. There are things not to like there. Maybe right. not the closer to take, but, you know, considering where he's going, he's going after that kind of elite grouping of closers quite a bit after a pick 126. At that price, are you willing to, to buy in? Yeah, I'll probably wait even longer. You know, what I've been doing so far, Joe, a lot is in my my drafts, at least, and I've been doing like, I did the Gladiator and I've done a couple of NFPC 50s and the Speakers DC. So these are all leagues where we're not doing pickups, mind you. So I've been taking secure closers early and not spending a whole lot of time in this pool. Um, now, when we get to other leagues, we're managed leagues where we have fab, uh, I might approach it differently. I might be more more inclined to take a chance on waiting more on closers uh, but I'm going to, I'm almost certainly getting one early closer, if not two. Yeah, that's what I would like to do. Like I said, this is my first year doing NFBC drafts. I've never done a draft and hold before. So I kind of fell behind a little bit on closers. Yeah. He's, he's somebody where, you know, if you do miss on that elite grouping, once you're getting him here in the one twenties, there's not really so much after him. You got Andres Munoz at one forty-seven. Kind of dries up like the wire. If you if you miss out on D, like let's say you don't have any closers and Diaz is sitting there, you probably should take him if you if you avoid them early on because after him, even though there's uncertainty with Diaz beyond him, there's really not much else there. Especially if you're in a DC, you can't make pickups throughout the year. Pick up the hot guy. It's interesting. I, I don't, I'm not as big on him as some people might be, but there's there's potential. Like you said, 30 saves, incredible strikeout numbers that we saw from him last year. 32 percent. They're actually better in the minors, so maybe he. Picks up a little bit. The projections are pretty good for him overall. ERA is projected to be, you know, three seven five. But even that, if he gives you three seven five with twenty saves, you know, he's striking out mm-hmm. almost 12, 12 batters per nine. I think I think we could live with that. The rest of this bullpen, it's hard to even look at it and say there's anybody who should be getting the opportunities. But like like we said, like we know David Bell, there'll probably be eight or ten guys who end up with a save by the end of the season here. You drive yourself crazy trying to chase it, though. That's the thing. You know, Lucas Sims gets one save in a week. You know, you're going to be like fabbing. Okay, I'll, do, I'll go after him here, and then he won't get another one for a month. Um, but I, I get it there. Uh, I'm looking like at the last two weeks, Diaz is around 147 in the NFPC uh, ADP. Uh, there are other closers going around there. Daniel Bard's going in that range. Uh, Juan Duran, we'll see if he's a closer. And, and that, that's that's the thing. Twins are in the same boat. 
Uh, but there's also like legitimate real players there too that you're missing out on. Um, and like you get Jorge Polanco in that range, you get Anthony Rizzo, you're getting solid building block hitters or starting pitchers at that range that you're bypassing. And the thing is, if Diaz doesn't get the saves, if he only gets 10 saves, you're way behind there. You're lo- that's an automatic loss because I mean, closers only help in one plus categories. I mean, they do tech occasionally helping in ratios and K's, but not a whole lot unless they're getting a ton of innings. So I, I'm that's why I'm less inclined there. That said, one of my best teams last year in the main with 15 team main event, I had one reliever in the first 20 rounds and that was Scott Barlow in like the ninth round. Um, and that worked out pretty well. I, I picked up Clay Holmes. I, I scrambled here and there. I got to like six or seven points in saves, which was enough because every, as I had so many good starting pitchers that I didn't pick, I went like two months without picking up a starting pitcher in fab. So that's one way to approach the position. The thing, the last thing I'll say about the whole saves, and you, know, like you make a good point about how the win total is going to be probably capped out at about 70 for the Reds this season, and the save opportunities will be fairly low. And you mentioned Daniel Bard, and just looking at Daniel Bard last year, he had 34 saves for a 68-win team. It's an outlier, but you, yeah. could, potentially, you could potentially still see pretty big save numbers if things turn right for Diaz. So he's not somebody I would take as as your first closer. He's probably a second or third guy, but if he pans out then he could be maybe not as good as his brother, probably almost certainly not, but he could still give you some some really solid value there. I think we've touched on, you know, all the pertinent topics. Anything else Reds related you think that uh, is interesting or important for the 2023 season? Well, I mean, the thing one other thing I'd say is like with Diaz, with Myers, anybody that might have some trade currency at the deadline, just be aware of that because the Reds will almost certainly be sellers again. Um, as they, you know, try to build that sustainable model and 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 eliminate the peaks and valleys, as Nick Kroll said. What peaks, but you know, whatever. Um, I, I I do think that it's probably minimal with Diaz because you know, his second year and all that. So it's not really like he he's got a whole lot of tenure, but you know, teams will sometimes overpay for reliever. So if that, if they, if they have that opportunity to do so, they will do so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jeff, I really appreciate you hopping on today, talking reds. I know with my Jays and the Jays are in a much better situation. It can either be one of my favorite things to talk about. One of my least favorite things to talk about. At least you got your Bengals, right? At least there's the, Bengals. yeah. Yeah. And I, I like talking reds anyhow. I mean, I like, Hey, like the farm system, you know, and, yeah. A, lot, a lot of memories, at least. Yeah, between Strand and Marte, there's some there's some guys who might not be this year. Dela Cruz as well, but you know the future is fairly bright uh, in Cincinnati. Right. But Jeff, uh, really appreciate you hopping on today. Is there anything that you guys are doing at RotoWire that you want to let her, let us know about? You mentioned that the podcast is coming back on sure. Sundays. Anything else that you want to let people know about? Sure. Thanks. So we're going to do five podcasts a week starting on Sunday night. Uh, you know, James Anderson has been doing it all season long. James just came up with an updated prospect list, um, you know, and he's been doing all sorts of other great content. But, you know, I'm going to be doing, uh, you know, with Scott on Sundays, Fred Zinke on Tuesdays. We've got the prospect pod on Wednesday. We've got uh, I'll have a guest of the industry on Thursday and we still have Clay and Todd together, too. So I want to make sure they all get their props. Plus, our draft kit is uh, up already at Rotowire. And we always offer a free trial to peek behind the paywall. Just go check out rotowire.com slash free and get your free couple of days. No credit card required. That's awesome, Jeff. Uh, I've looked up to you for a while in this industry. You're one of the best. You are somebody who is I strive to, you know, not to gush, but I strive to one day be able to be in a, in a position like yours. You do a great job. Wishing you all the best with the FSWA nominations. You guys deserve to, to come away with a few. Like, I'm, I'm sure you will. Uh, don't really need me to hope for it too much. You guys hmm. will come away with some stuff. Check out Jeff on Twitter, at Jeff underscore Erickson. Of course, check out rotowire.com. 
and all the great stuff they got there. You can check me out at Joe Orico 99. This show will be posted at ethos fantasy BB. You guys check it out and follow there. Never miss any of our content throughout the rest of the off season and heading into the 2023 season as well. Guys, take care and we'll see you again tomorrow. Continue with second base rankings until then. Cheers. Cheers.